Next on BYU Sports Nation, he's dubbed the first great quarterback at BYU. Virgil Carter talks about the emergence of Taysom Hill, the BYU offense, and his QB experience with NFL legend Bill Walsh. Georgia Tech head football coach Paul Johnson joins us from the ATL. The man needs no playbook, literally. He'll tell us how the rambling wreck can spoil the homecoming party in Provo and five things you need to know about tomorrow's game. Plus, 300 wins for BYU's women's soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood. The Cougars' road trip in the Bay Area off to an historic start. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. What is up? It is Friday, October 11th. 2013, Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here with you on BYU Sports Nation. BYU and Georgia Tech, tomorrow we'll get you ready for it right here on the show. Football Friday. Yeah, love it. It's not the actual game on a Friday, which we've had the last two weeks, but it's a regular week and it's homecoming around campus, a lot of buzz, buzz being an operative word with Georgia Tech around, (laughs) but it should be a fun game, especially because of what happened last year. Last year's game was just a tremendous game that BYU played. I thought Utah State was the best win by BYU, but overall... Best overall performance Yes, at Georgia Tech. Absolutely. No question. 41-17 win in Atlanta. BYU holding the Georgia Tech offense to 117 yards rushing, 0 for 10 on third down. Georgia Tech's offense scored three points. Off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, both of their touchdowns, one came off a defensive play and the other came on a kickoff return for a touchdown. That high-powered offense, run by a very good football coach in Paul Johnson, mustered up three points on their home field last year against BYU. Trust me, they haven't forgotten that. They haven't forgotten that loss. And they finished the season with a, a win over USC in the what was it, the Sun Bowl. Um, I think they they were what six and seven going into the the bowl the bowl games, and they had to apply for a. A waiver? An exemption of some kind. So, so they, they <laughs> Can end up we get sit- a losing record bowl game waiver? They, they, end, they played in the ACC title, right? Yes, because uh, someone someone else couldn't, right? Was they, it was it Miami? There was there was somebody? allegations, different yeah. things. But Georgia Tech played in the ACC title game, and because they did that, they were granted the opportunity to play in the Sun Bowl, and they beat a very lethargic USC team. I was in Los Angeles last year during that USC-Georgia Tech game, and I just kept thinking, this is, the, this is the team that BYU dominated a few weeks ago, and they are taking it to USC right now. The preseason number one team in America, USC Trojans, by the way, uh, really just the, the demise of the Trojan football program, hit an all-time low on that Georgia Tech loss. But we know the Yellow Jackets can play football. They game plan very well. They have a great coach. But the Cougars will counter with some interesting statistics and scheming with Bronco Mendenhall. We'll talk about BYU and Georgia Tech quite a bit today, but you know what a week from today is? Boom shakalaka! The BYU basketball showcase, live on (laughs) BYU TV. If you're local, go to this. It's going to be fun. It's in the Smithfield House next Friday night, 7 local time, 9 Eastern. Boom shakalaka! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's the name of it. Boom shakalaka. Believe it. Uh, It'll be a lot of fun uh, next Friday, so that's exciting. Uh, listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. We also found out yesterday that if you have an HD radio and you're local here, it's 89.1 in uh, the, the second channel, part two. You can listen to BYU Radio on your dial as well, locally. 89.1. The second part. Second part. Kind of like if you have <laughs> rabbit ears. Kind of deal. You 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 have over the air cable. You can get BYU TV in HD if you're local. Eleven point two. Okay. Yeah. So that's how you listen. This is how you join the conversation. Send your tweets at BYU Sports Nation and vote in our daily poll question on BYUTVSports.com. And today's question is: What is your bold prediction for the BYU Georgia Tech game? Jamal Williams has more rushing yards by himself than Tech as a team. Wow. Cody Hoppen has two touchdown catches. BYU's defense records four or more sacks. That that may be a little much. That may be a little too bold. They'll only throw the ball fifteen times. Or lastly, BYU's offense puts up a forty spot on the Yellow Jackets or more for the second year in a row. They scored forty one last year. Right now, leading the way, Cody Hoppen has two touchdown catches, just over forty five percent. Vote, BYUTVSports.com. We will update the poll throughout today's show. 
and tweet your bold predictions. We've already had some of them this morning, but uh, we'll get to those. Tweet your bold predictions at BYU Sports Nation. Of those four, I'm going to go with B. That seems like the easiest option, right? Cody Hoffman will break out and have two receiving touchdowns. That doesn't seem bold enough. I think maybe three would be bold, right? Well, he hasn't he hasn't scored a touchdown. He has 28 career. Come on. But he hasn't scored a touchdown this season. I mean, he He's has, only played in three of the five games. He has 13 catches and zero touchdowns. So if Hoffman gets two, then that's a big day. I think that's bold. Three would be... No, I would say no way Cody Hoffman catches three touchdowns against Georgia Tech. Whoa! You heard it here first. Breaking news. So watch him tomorrow catch three touchdown passes, and we're going to recycle this <laughs> on Monday. Perfect. Mark <laughs> Mark the spot. Mark the spot in the show that that happened. What, what's your bold prediction? BYU puts up 40-plus. Okay. I think their, their offense will have their way, uh, given that Georgia Tech is traveling a long way, playing at altitude. Gave up 45 points to Miami last week. We'll get to more of that in just a moment. Okay, let's get to five things you need to know about BYU and Georgia Tech. Let's start with this. Number one, the Georgia Tech defense versus the BYU offense. Strength on strength. Yeah. The Well, well that I think it's Georgia Tech's offense versus BYU's defense. That's the strength for each team. Strength on strength. <laughs> okay. Uh, Georgia Tech... Uh, strong defense, 20th in the country. BYU's 13th ranked rushing offense. Uh, bloated numbers versus Texas, but still still strong. Yeah, how um, good is Georgia Tech's defense given that they've played Elon and Duke? And Duke. That's the big question. And Miami, they were up. Georgia Tech was up 17-7 to after the first and then didn't, didn't score until late in the fourth. Two touchdowns that were after the game was over. So they put up a 30 spot. They missed a PAT. They had a chance to tie the game and missed a PAT, and then Miami put a couple scores on them and won, won by uh, two scores. Miami's a good team, though. They're ranked top 15. Um, I think BYU's offense is going to do just fine against Georgia Tech's defense. Even with another offensive line? I mean, it's been offensive line by committee. Do you feel like BYU can still produce filling in the gaps on what has been an injury-riddled offensive line and, and youth and different things factoring into that? Do you feel like they can still move the ball against a pretty stout Georgia Tech front seven? I think that Utah State's defense is better than Georgia Tech's, and BYU could have and should have put up 45 against Utah State. But they pulled off the pedal and only scored 31. And but- what, what will Georgia Tech do against Taysom Hill now? Uh, now they have tape on him throwing the ball well at Utah State, and I'm sure they've seen and heard about the Texas madness on more than a few occasions. So it'll be interesting to see what the Yellow Jackets do to scheme uh, and give Taysom Hill different looks because he's shown that now he can, he has the capability to beat you through the air and with his legs. So that's the number one thing you need to know right now. Georgia Tech's defense versus BYU's offense. Number two, Cody Hoffman record watch we just talked about this he has 13 catches a season no touchdowns he needs just three touchdowns and six catches to become the BYU career leader in both of those categories how much stock do you put into this right now Jerem are you worried about Cody Hoffman uh picking up those records and in a hurry uh I think he'll do it soon uh it might be this game uh three touchdowns like you mentioned would be a lot but six catches should certainly be in the cards. He had eight against Utah, was targeted many times, uh, and therefore got more catches. For some reason, the passes to Cody Hoffman, more than any other re- receiver for some reason, seem to ne- he and Taysom don't seem to be on the same page sometimes. Against Utah, they were. Um, and, it, and it was a nice performance by Cody. Uh, they need more of Cody Hoffman. You need more of Cody Hoffman to, to take the next step in BYU's offense. The answer is get Hoffman the rock. It's not impossible that he ties or breaks both of those records tomorrow. It's not. I don't think he's going to have three touchdown catches uh, because I think Georgia Tech understands what Cody Hoffman can do, what type of player he is, and and I believe that they would rather make Mitch Matthews beat their very athletic uh, defensive backs than let Cody Hoffman have his way. So I can see Hoffman tying or passing the record in terms of receptions, but three touchdowns still a stretch for me. Okay, number three, Georgia Tech playmakers. We're going to tell you one guy on each side of the ball that you need to know. Number one is quarterback Vad Lees. Number two, uh, a good high school quarterback coming out of North Carolina. Played a little bit in the game against BYU last year. 
uh, rushed for 1,300 yards and threw for 3,200 in high school. Um, but he's he's very athletic, but he's kind of made some poor decisions. He doesn't keep as much as he needs to in their uh, spread option attack, a lot of times triple option. They do what BYU does, too, with that diamond formation, two running backs to the quarterback side and one behind him. I'm interested to see how he plays. He's very athletic. His arm's good, but he, Suspect. he's thrown, I think, 44% completion percentage. That sounds familiar. <laughs> so I, he's, he's the offensive guy, Vadley. The defensive guy, Jeremiah Atalchu. He's an NFL prospect, defensive end. A little light for a defensive end, a former linebacker, actually, but uh, on all sorts of watch lists. Oh, yeah, 2013 Bronco Nagurski trophy preseason watch list. Lombardi. Bronco Mendenhall Nagurski. Right? That's right. Lombardi Award watch list, Butkus Award preseason watch list, the Chuck Bednarik Award preseason watch list, and he was, uh, according to Phil Still, 2013 preseason first team all ACC. That's a very talented conference. They have a ton of players drafted uh, in the ACC. So big time defender Jeremiah Atalchu, 6'3, 242 senior. The guy's going to play on Sundays, and he will make an impact. Like He is Georgia Tech's Kyle Van Noy. He's a difference maker. He's no Kyle Van Noy, but he's he's yeah he's their version the of the closest thing yeah, yeah. to Kyle Van Noy that Georgia Tech has. The fourth thing you absolutely need to know about Georgia Tech and BYU on Saturday: travel. Is it overrated for the Yellow Jackets, or straight up exhausting? Jeremy and I don't really see eye to eye on this. Georgia Tech will travel over five thousand miles in their only back to back road swing. They were at Miami. Not that far of a trip from Atlanta, but now they come back from Miami, practice, and have to fly across the country to Provo. Colder temperatures, a lot of miles, uh, some distorted sleep patterns, a couple of time zones. For me, travel does have an impact. I feel like it factors into fatigue, uh, not only because BYU plays at elevation and Georgia Tech does not, but when you travel on a plane— and you get a little restless, it has to make some sort of a difference, some sort of impact. It can't be easy to go that far and perform well at elevation. That's why they fly in the day before, so they can get that restlessness out. I, I don't recall any kind of superior opponent losing a game and going, man, it's because we traveled so far and the time zone and the altitude. Those are just excuses after the fact. Once they line up on the field, it's me versus you. Now, in the now, if BYU goes fast and they can accumulate first downs, you're going to get tired no matter where you're from, no matter how far you traveled. But when do you get tired is the question. In the second half, if it's a close game, maybe on a certain play where a guy would have more energy than he would have had, it makes a difference. But that's assuming that the game's close. What if it's not close? What if Georgia Tech's up by two scores? Then it doesn't matter. What if BYU's up by two scores? Then it doesn't matter. Ask Miami how they felt in 1990 when they came to Provo. Stupid, because they lost. (laughs) I'm just saying travel has to have at least, at least a minimal impact on the player's psyche or fatigue or whatever. So if they get more tired earlier in the game, then yes, it's a factor. If they are athletically superior and dominant uh, against you, then it really, you don't see much. But I feel like BYU is already a better team than Georgia Tech, and so this is just another uh, check mark against the Yellow Jackets, another disadvantage for them having to travel so far, coming off a tough loss to Miami where they gave up 45 points. Now they got to come to Provo and play in high 50s at altitude. 50s is not cold. For them it is. No, come on. When we talk about BYU at Virginia, we did not discuss anything about... Man, they traveled to time zones, and that really hurt them in the second half. It's like, just hey, how about just complete the pass and catch it? They lost the game, though, right? Travel was not a factor. BYU <laughs> did not make enough plays to win the game. Travel had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do? Nothing to do with it? Nothing. All right. Ask BYU, say, how much did travel affect? Nothing. We just lost it. We just didn't make the plays to win the game. Yeah, they're not going to use that as an excuse. You play to win the game. Herm Edwards. <laughs> Okay, fifth thing you need to know about Georgia Tech and BYU. Bronco Mendenhall versus the option. Since 2005, BYU is 6-1 against Air Force and Georgia Tech, only allowing 23 points per game. In fact, Bronco Mendenhall, in addition to the 2012 game against Georgia Tech, in 2003, different coach, different offense, but BYU won 24-13 
And Bronco Mendenhall, uh, that team, he only allowed 13 points per game. Now, I'm glad you brought that up. That was not a Paul Johnson Georgia Tech Correct. team. Correct. But it was Georgia Tech is the point I'm trying to make. But with the option, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, we, uh, you heard him yesterday on BYU Sports Nation talking about the first time he faced it, he had no clue what he was doing. He has figured out how to defend the option. And last year was an amazing display by the BYU defense. He's throwing out the playbook. David Nixon joined us earlier this week on BYU Sports Nation, former linebacker, NFL guy, and current BYU TV analyst. And he said, whenever we would play Air Force or have to defend the option, we just throw out the defensive playbook because it is an entirely different game plan. And so I thought that was really interesting. One of my favorite sound bites from the week and something that I did not know. Uh, so Bronco Mendenhall has a very specific, stout game plan prepared just for this type of offense. And uh, that shows you how detail-oriented it is. Here's how confident I am. Last year, BYU played Georgia Tech. They've seen this. It's most of the same guys, and they're coming to Provo. So if BYU owns Georgia Tech in Atlanta, why wouldn't they own them in Provo? I th- and BYU has a better offense this year. You know why BYU matches up so well against teams like this? Because they're disciplined. Yes. They are, they are assignment-heavy and they understand their roles. I'd never thought of this before until right now. Here's where the age is a big factor for BYU. You had guys that served these missions, and when you need them to play more sound, more soundly, uh, more disciplined on defense, you get that. BYU doesn't have the most athletic guys, but because they're a little bit older, and they just they know how to be more disciplined in life and on the field, this game is where it comes out more. They can defend the option well because... Bronco Mendenhall plays to his strength. And, and that is, you're right, dealing with mature, disciplined players. Now, if, now, the other side of that argument, which is the most annoying thing in the world, go and serve a two-year mission if you want. Pay 10000 bucks, go to Russia, and serve a mission. And then come back and, and play. You have the opportunity to do that. I always love that. This is not the time to, to argue that whole thing, but I just it's so stupid. Oh, the fact that BYU players are older, older and, and so go, it's unfair. Go ahead and go on one then. Why yeah. don't you go? Send your players. You're welcome. You're welcome to go on a mission <laughs> anywhere. Doesn't have to be with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It can be with Take any church. Take a mission trip. Take a mission trip anywhere you'd like for two years and enjoy the benefits of having more mature players. Okay, that wraps up five things you need to know between BYU and Georgia Tech. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to uh, a segment that we introduced, uh, I think, two weeks ago, but we want to bring it back in preparation for Georgia Tech. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? <laughs> How much do you know the foe? And this music is terrible, by the way. <laughs> this music makes the segment. <laughs> it's fantastic. Okay, so you started this with Middle Tennessee, and I loved it. We're, and that, You just asked me questions then. We're going to ask each other questions about Georgia Tech. Bring it see on. See how much we know. All right. You want to start? Here we go. We'll start with some easy ones. Jerem, what is Georgia Tech's football stadium named? Bobby Dodd Stadium, Grant Field. Very good. 100th year. Very good. Very good. Your turn. Uh, let's let's go with, what is the name of the Georgia Tech mascot? Is it Honeybee, Buzzbee, Yellow Jacketeer, or Buzz? Buzz. Yes. Nailed it. Okay. Georgia Tech's fight song includes the following line. I'm going to oh, have look you look out. It swears. I'm going to have you fill in the blank. <laughs> we'll drop our battle axe on blank head chop. Is it we'll drop our battle axe on A the foes, B the bulldogs, C our rivals or D Georgia's head? Georgia's. Yes. I I read it many years ago. I read it. Yeah. Talk about vitriol in a fight song. It's like all about how much they hate Georgia. How, okay. Along those lines, what's the name of the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry? Is it Southern Rebellion, the rivalry presented by Coca-Cola, clean old-fashioned hate, or grits, barbecue, and football? Clean old-fashioned hate. Correct. I didn't, even, I didn't know that. That was a guess. <laughs> that, that was a lucky guess. That was the only logical one. Okay. Really quick. One more. School colors, Jerem. What are Georgia Tech school White and go- old gold, baby. White and old. Woo! What is old gold? It's not new. I don't know. Okay. One more. I'm sorry. We have to do one more. <laughs> this is too fast. The music. We got to keep the music going. I it's love just- when the producer's like, okay, wrap it up. I know. One more. Ben, I got to get one more in there. Crank up the music, Aaron. Here we go. <laughs> the Ramblin' Wreck is a 1930 Ford Model A Sport 
coupe. Does does that car have white walls or not? White walls on like, the tires. White walls on the tires? Yes. I haven't watched Fast and the Furious lately. Yes. Yes, you're right. 100%. Oh, lucky. Lucky. Okay. Well, <laughs> yes or no. Come on, man. They have That's how walls. I got through BYU. I just guessed on the Scantron. <laughs> That'll do it for what you need to know and know the foe. Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, BYU quarterback Virgil Carter joins the program, talks about BYU's offensive transformation, and Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson on the biggest key to Saturday's game. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. A very quick poll update. Jerem Jordan, do you have it for us? Yes, I do. And the updated poll results look like this. Uh, What is your bold prediction for the BYU-Georgia Tech game? Leading the way at 46%, Cody Hoffman has two TD receptions, followed by Jamal Williams has more rushing yards than Georgia Tech. BYU's defense records four or more sacks, and BYU's offense puts up 40-plus points. That's the last. My bold prediction is in the last place. Yeah. Over four sacks? Really? Yeah. Uh, good tweet. We've got to read. At DJ Neltz. He says, Seems like Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton have a broadcasting advantage because they are older thanks to their mission trips. <laughs> <laughs> we we did just, learn. We're quite just a so bit. mature and disciplined. We, yes, yes, we did learn. My voice just got my voice r- rich just and got buttery really smooth post mission. Official. Oh goodness! You you went to Korea, South Korea, and I went to South Korea. Oi, they're go. very good. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Moving on, our quarterback factory Friday continues. Virgil Carter said six national, 19 conference, and 24 school records, was an academic All-American, and he led BYU to its first ever football conference championship in 1965, widely regarded as the first great BYU quarterback. Virgil Carter joining BYU Sports Nation. Welcome to the show, Virgil. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, things have changed a little bit uh, since you played quarterback here at BYU, uh, yeah, I, I have. would imagine. Um, yeah, they have. What are some of the uh, stark contrasts that you remember from the game when you played compared to now this Taysom Hill run wild, also you can throw a deep game that BYU is playing now? Well, uh, the first and most obvious is if I was six one and two twenty one or six two two twenty one, I'd have been a linebacker, not a quarterback. <laughs> Maybe a lineman back then. Yeah, exactly. We just didn't have the talent either size, strength, speed, finesse. Uh I I mean as I look back and think of the games we played in they used to call me the Blue Darter, but that's only because it matched the name Carter. It had nothing <laughs> to do with me being able to elude anybody. I don't think I juked a tackle in three years as the starting quarterback. Uh, so it's a totally different uh, realm at that quarterback position. Tommy Hudspeth uh, was your head coach. Lavelle Edwards was an assistant. Um, right. And, th- and that kind of, what you guys did, kind of set the stage for a couple years later when Lavelle took over and, and revolutionized the passing game. How proud have you been of kind of the legacy that you were a part of in BYU football history? Oh, I followed it, and it's a, it's a pleasure to even be mentioned with it. And uh, I know they did the heavy lifting after I left for sure, but uh, they've had some great players. Uh, I know at one time, uh, they were able to assemble better teams because they were willing to throw so much. Uh, now that's not really the case. You really have to fight for every uh, recruit. But uh, back then they kind of specialized in the quarterback, so then they got the good receivers and the good linemen, and then guys playing defense said, well, if I go uh, work against those guys, then I'll get a better chance than the pros or you know that kind of thing. The Blue Darter, Virgil Carter, uh-huh. joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Uh, Virgil, talking about some more of the differences of playing in the pro game when you were there as to now, I was very interested to learn that while you were with the Chicago Bears, 
You got a master's degree at Northwestern, and then when you were with the Cincinnati Bengals, you taught math and statistics at Xavier. How in the world did you have time to do that? Well, mostly motivated by the fact we didn't make any money. <laughs> yes, that has definitely changed, hasn't it? Yeah, in Chicago, uh, uh, George Hallis wanted me to stay in the off season and look at film, and so his bribe was that he'd get me into Northwestern's MBA school and help pay for it if I'd spend an internship in his office. And I did that for three off seasons, uh, and then when I went to uh, Cincinnati, uh, the MBA degree followed me and they happened to lose a professor uh, that they weren't expecting to in the uh, spring semester after I was in uh, Cincinnati and so they offered me that position and I did that for a couple of years and really enjoyed it. It was uh, something that I really always felt that I would be in the classroom or doing something educationally more than athletically. Jerem, can you imagine having your college professor play for like the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, Andy Dalton uh, is uh, my statistics teacher at <laughs> yeah. Xavier University. That'd be awesome. Tell well, it. What, oh, the go ahead, the one thing that they, they remember more than me teaching is that I broke uh, my navicular in my right hand and couldn't write on the blackboard. So uh, when I was doing those lectures that off season, I had to bring Ken Anderson in to do the writing on the blackboard, <laughs> who was also a math major at Augustana. You so had a scribe? Two quarterbacks uh, for the price of one teacher. Fantastic. Speaking, uh, of, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I've, I've heard about, but I've never been able to talk to you about this, your experience with the origins of the West Coast offense and Bill Walsh. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Well, they Bill had uh, worked with Greg Cook uh, in 69, and then Cook hurt his shoulder and couldn't go to training camp. So uh, Bill Walsh, the quarterback coach, was stuck with trying to find another quarterback. And as uh, the, the exhibition season ended and the season started, uh, it turned out that you know I was the uh, prime candidate without a lot of ability uh, that a Greg Cook had. So it tested uh, Bill's... A genius to come up with uh, a control type pass offense, decision oriented more than physically throwing the ball down the field. And uh, we worked on it for two or three years there before it ever got to the West Coast. Virgil Carter joining BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here in the BYU Broadcasting Building. Virgil, you enjoyed an illustrious career at BYU, really uh, in the early days when the program was just getting going. Do you have a favorite memory playing at BYU that kind of sticks out that you think about often? Well, <laughs> the, the, the thing that probably is the most striking, and it wasn't a particular play or game, it's that when we were freshmen, there were a group of us, and we were young, uh, Ken O'Born, Mel Olson, uh, uh, some, some guys that uh, were all high school kids moving into freshman football. And then when they brought in Tommy our sophomore year, uh, Mel Olson was going to snap the football uh, for the T formation, but I was the only guy in school that even knew how to take the snap <laughs> because they'd been playing single wing prior to that. So that opened up three years of me getting nonstop uh, opportunity to uh, uh, be the quarterback. But when we showed up for photo day and they brought in the Marines, of which there were about 10 or 12 of them, uh, they actually had to shave uh, before the picture, and they had to have their kids babysat. <laughs> so it changed the maturity and the team age uh, uh, by about five or six years. And that made all the difference in the world to have that maturity our sophomore year with uh, a bunch of Marine uh, recruits that they brought in who had played service ball for four years before college. And that certainly helped, uh, as you mentioned. And nowadays, we've been joking about the conversation of, uh, you know, uh, the missions and advantage, disadvantage and whatnot for BYU. Mm -hmm. But your name has come up uh, the last couple of games because ta uh, with BYU fans because Taysom Hill has run the ball so well. I've got you down right now for 16th all-time in BYU history in, uh, in rushing yards, not to mention uh, about 16th in carries as well. You carried the ball quite a bit and had success on the ground. What are you seeing from Taysom Hill that's making him so successful? Well, he's a gifted athlete. He's got lots of ability. And, of course, he's got the size and the strength to go with it. But he, he can actually get out and uh, maneuver 
uh, and make yardage, yardage as a running back. Uh, when I did it, it's because everybody fell and followed uh, Phil Odell, and then I was able to sneak off to the <laughs> sideline for a few extra yards when nothing else looked open. Uh, I didn't run over or around or through anybody. I just made decisions that put me in spots on the field where I was unencumbered by a defensive guy for five or six yards, and I took advantage of that. Uh, but it's not like I had long runs or had exciting runs that would make anybody's highlight film. It was just a style of our play. And see, back then, we didn't, in three years of uh, quarterbacking, I never threw a drop-back pass. Wow. Everything was roll-out, sprint-out, or at least move to one tackle or the other. Uh, and most of them were uh, started with an option to either Steve or John Ogden. Uh, and if uh, it didn't look like the run was going to go, then I got to pull the ball and look for a pass. And if the pass was covered, then obviously there was a few extra yards of vacant turf out on the side of the field before the sideline that I could take advantage of. I've got to ask you this, too, because I, I've studied and uh, researched and tried to find this. I have not found the name of the stadium uh, that you guys played in. So Cougar Stadium is 1982, right? When you play, it's where the Richards Building is on campus. What was the name of the stadium? Oh, no, no, no. We, in 1964, uh, 65, we opened up the stadium that's there now. It oh, oh, it was renovated in 82. Right, okay. Yeah. The, Thank you. The one that we played in prior to that, my freshman year, uh, I always call a stadii, not a stadium, because <laughs> it only had one side, and that was from the Richards building down to the field house where people would throw blankets and there were a few bleachers, and then there was nothing on the west side of the football field except uh, the wind blowing. What was the name of it? I couldn't tell you. See, I can't find it anywhere. That's amazing. We should just call it the Blue Darter Stadii. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. So, so when the Phantom plays, Eldon Forti, who yep. is con- who, who's uh, played quarterback, and all his rushing yards are considered quarterback rushing yards. So it's it's him, then you, then Steve Young, then Taysom Hill. He played in the Stadii, right? He did. Okay. Stadii, yes. <laughs> uh, and I remember uh, as a kid living in Provo, I used to sneak in the Knothole Gang over on the uh, uh, west side because all the fans were on the east side. Yes, I've, I've heard Glenn Tuckett talk about the Knothole Gang. What's the Knothole yeah. Gang? Yeah. This group, I believe, is this, this group of football players or students that uh, would, were able to watch the games without actually having to go to the stadium, correct? Well, I think it was to encourage the young kids to come in. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you had to climb through a little hole in the fence that uh, had a poster board where it looked like you were sneaking in, and <laughs> it was kind of a cool thing. But uh, And I think they gave you a, a bag of milk duds and a, uh, a Sprite, something. They, they made it like this was a real treat. Would that be an NCAA recruiting violation these days, Sprite and milk duds? <laughs> <laughs> well, Virgil, Virgil, it's been a lot of fun uh, talking to you. We appreciate the time and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Virgil Bye. Carter, uh, considered uh, you know the first in those line of great quarterbacks. He was not the uh, – Lavelle Edwards was not the head coach, so when you talk about the QB factory and that kind of thing, he, his name sometimes doesn't get mentioned there, but he led BYU to its first conference title. You mentioned it, set six NCAA records, played in the NFL – uh, and a lot of fun. We we learned a ton from that interview about about BYU football back in the day. So Cougar Stadium, before it was renovated, was moved there in 1964. But his freshman year, they played at the Stadii, where the Richard Buildings is. I've I seriously I've searched to find the name of that place, and I cannot. I don't know the name of that stadium. I guess it doesn't matter now. But coming up, Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson joins us next. As the Yellow Jackets travel to take on BYU, what's his key to tomorrow's game? Find out next. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs! Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I'm Jerem Jordan with Spencer Linton. Football versus Georgia Tech, we've got you covered. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, BYU Radio's pregame coverage begins. Then 6 p.m., the show I produce and the show that Spencer's on, BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff. 
Is that 6, 7 p.m.? The games on ESPNU and BYU Radio, and the post games on both BYU Radio and BYU TV. If you want to see Spencer on TV, then watch tomorrow. If you want to see Jerem's genius put to work with moving pictures. (laughs) Moving pictures. That makes sound so old. Countdown to kickoff. Well, you're giving me props. I might as well throw it back, right? Yeah. We've argued enough today. It's time to pat each other on the back. I'm just happy to be here. Okay. Let's update the poll results. What's your bold prediction for BYU Georgia Tech? Leading the way right now, Cody Hoffman has two TD receptions, followed by at Swag Daddy, Jamal Williams has more rushing yards than Tech. And then uh, BYU's defense records four more sacks, followed by BYU's offense puts up 40-plus. We did get a tweet, by the way. Uh, uh, fan of the show, Nicole Williams, Jamal's, Jamal's mother, said, just want to thank, uh, say thanks to BYU for giving my son, Jay Swag Daddy, the opportunity of a lifetime to the Cougar fans and to the Cougar fans. I'm living the dream also. How fantastic is that? Jeff Call of the Deseret News of Salt Lake City just wrote uh, an article about Jamal Williams and the relationship to his mother. I really like I really like that article. Check it out if you haven't read it. Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson is one of the top in the college football game. He joins BYU Sports Nation now. Coach, you have a history with BYU, having faced them more than a few times in your career, including last year and as an offensive coordinator at Hawaii when the Rainbows dominated BYU. Can you tell us what you know about the Cougar team now and why you're excited for your team to play in Provo? Well, I know that uh, you know BYU has a rich tradition football of you know, dating back to Coach Edwards and, and, and moving forward with the great quarterbacks, the Heisman Trophy winners. And, you know, in the past few years uh, with Bronco, they've been, uh, you know, known for great defense and, and uh, a team that physically gets gets after you and plays. And having had the opportunity to play in Provo, we know it's a tough place to play. I think they always have a great crowd, and the crowd's really into the game. And uh, so it's going to be a huge challenge for our team. Watching some of the games from earlier uh, this season, Coach, I've noticed you don't have a play sheet, uh, and you, you tell a, a running back the play, and he goes in and he tells the team. When did you start doing that, and how do you, how do you keep everything organized in your mind? Well, we've done that forever, I guess, since I've been uh, a head coach. Actually, when I was the offensive coordinator, I didn't really have a play sheet either, but I was just in the box, and nobody knew it. Uh, the nature of what we do offensively, we just we kind of have a system. We look and see how the defense is playing, and then we call plays off of that. And at times, some people would say it's good, and at times, people say it's not good. So <laughs> it just depends on the success you're having, I guess. Coach, you've been at Georgia Tech now uh, since 2008. What has been the biggest challenge for you competing in a very tough and a, a conference riddled with parity in the Atlantic Coast? Well, I, th- I just think that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, that a lot of teams are, are very similar and um, there's a lot of great players. I think, you know, next to the SEC, and that's been fairly close, we've had more players drafted and taken the NFL than any other league by a mile since I've been here. And so every week you're going to play against quality players, good players, and, uh, you, you know, just trying to be consistent. At, at times we've been much more consistent than at others, but. I think that's the key to any program is consistency. You mentioned some of the differences between the BYU teams that you coached against back in the 80s with Hawaii versus what BYU is known for now. Uh, how has BYU's program changed a little bit since you coached against the Cougars back then compared to now? Well, I think that uh, you know it's probably changed where everything was, was geared towards the offense, the quarterbacks, the passing game. You know, from uh, when I was in Hawaii from the – Ty Detmer to, you know, the quarterbacks who played, the Walsh kid, all those guys who were playing, uh, <clears throat> the great receivers. And they were still good on defense, but not they didn't have that notoriety. It was kind of the flip side. Now it's it's more the running game and, and defensively. I think defense has been their calling card for the last two or three years that you know that they're always going to be top 25 in, in most of the defensive categories. And uh, certainly this year's team is no different. They're They're – starting out playing very well defensively. So if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned uh, in a press conference earlier this week that in 1990, Ty Detmer, he's at the pool at the hotel with BYU, finds out he wins the Heisman, and then you're the offensive coordinator Hawaii, and you just you just crushed BYU <laughs> in that game. Coach. Yeah. Well, I think I remember. I think we won the game 56-14. Yikes. I, I, think we, I think we ended up sacking him probably seven or eight times. Of course, I couldn't take any credit for that. I was the offensive <laughs> coordinator, but... Uh, the, uh, we had some great games with BYU when I was when I was at Hawaii. We were I, fortunate there. A couple years in a row, we 
scored a lot of points and, and, and beat them a couple years in a row there. I don't think you should sell yourself short, Coach. You scored 59 that night. So uh, if you're the offensive coordinator putting up 59 against a pretty good BYU team, that uh, you should be patted on the back for that. Well, that was a long time ago, and unfortunately they won't let us carry any of those over for this. <laughs> when you look at last year's game, Coach, uh, what, what did you learn from that game that may or may not help you for this week's game? Well, I think BYU uh, played very well. <clears throat> the biggest surprise I had was they were struggling offensively when they came in here, and and uh, <clears throat> they kind of exploded on us offensively. And uh, defensively, they were very physical. They they kicked our tail, especially on the perimeter. And uh, you know, if we if we're not able to to match them physically, it's it's going to be a long day again. So we've got to put our big boy pants on and be ready to go play some hard nosed physical football. Coach, I know you're a great uh, scout of talent. BYU has a couple of guys that uh, are expected to play in the NFL, notably Kyle Van Noy. What is the scouting report for your team on Kyle Van Noy and how to play against him, how to be effective against him? Well, I don't, I don't know that you, you know, hardly anybody's been effective against him. He's a great player. Uh, he's got great size, speed, a great football IQ. He knows what's going on, and he's a tremendous player. What you've got to hope that you can do is limit him from making big plays. Because he can change the game, and uh, you know, I've, I'm I'm pretty sure that you you wouldn't have to be much of a scout to see that he's going to be playing on Sunday for a long time if he stays healthy. And finally, coach, uh, just two keys to victory in your mind against BYU. Well, I think we got to to take care of the ball. We can't turn the ball over, which we've had a problem with in the last two games, and we've got to match their physicality. If we can do that, limit them big plays offensively because, again, the quarterback's very capable of hitting big plays at any time as well as well as the running back. And they've started to evolve into the passing game a little better. So try to limit their big plays, <clears throat> take care of the ball, and match them physically. We, we ought to have a chance. Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson joining BYU Sports Nation. Coach, we uh, thank you for your time, and we'll see you this weekend. Okay, guys. Y'all have a great one. Paul Johnson, 150 wins as the Georgia Tech head coach dating back to 2008. He really has revamped that program, Jerem. Uh, how many coaches do you know that don't use a play card or a play sheet or a playbook? That's amazing. You'll see it on Saturday. So, he'll, like, like we just discussed, it, he'll have a player come off to the side, normally a running back. He'll tell the, him the play in his ear. He has no play card or anything. Then he'll run in there. It's crazy. I thought it was interesting that he said that uh, the keys to the victory, obviously he mentioned turnovers, but he said match their physicality. And I couldn't agree more. Can Georgia Tech travel across the country and match BYU's physicality? No. <laughs> Whatever a question's asked, I just want to answer it. Well, you should. Did you leave BYU without a degree? No, I got a degree. <laughs> I was waiting for when you get that in. Coming up, women's soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood joins us from the Bay Area to discuss her 300th win last night. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Women's Volleyball. Match point for BYU. T. Withers willing just like, got on an ace and they'll take it on a block. That's heartbreaking for the Broncos, but what a big win for BYU. That was last night on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Kristen Kozlowski on the call. BYU Beat Santa Clara in four sets to stay undefeated in West Coast Conference play. Whitney Young, career high, 10 kills, 11 blocks to lead it the way for the Cougars. to first double-double on the season. The first double-double in those categories for any BYU player of the season. Booyah! Rugby. Former BYU All-American and two-time national champion Sean Davis is starting. Davies. Davies, sorry is starting at scrum half for Team USA tonight against Argentina in the America's Rugby Championship. Let's go, Sean! Soccer. Sean's one of my old roommates. I love me some Sean Davies. 22nd-ranked BYU beat San Francisco on the road 2-0 last night thanks to first-half goals from Nikki Fernandez and Chloe Coulihan. Erica Owens recorded her fourth shutout of the season and in so doing, helped give head coach Jennifer Rockwood win number 300 in her career. She's just the fifth coach in Division I history to get 300 wins 
at the same school. Let's give her the rise and shout today. Nice work by Coach Rockwood. Well deserved. 300 wins. Let's welcome in Coach Rockwood from the Bay Area right now. Coach, how's your morning going and where are you? Uh, it's great. Um, actually, uh, on a walk out at the marina right now. So it's a beautiful day. Congratulations on 300. That's that's a significant milestone. Um, what did it mean to you to uh, get your 300th win? Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's kind of unbelievable. It's amazing. I've been doing this so long. I don't know where all the time goes. But, you know, I feel very blessed and grateful for the opportunities that I have. I have an amazing staff that's been with me all these years and, and um, great support for administration. Uh, it's fun to have Tom and Brian here with us and the team this weekend. And, and then just amazing student-athletes year in and year out. So I've had a chance to coach a lot of great kids. Coach, a couple of things. While you're at the marina, I really hope you eat some clam chowder. Uh, yeah, be- I'll, be- I'll see what I can do. Because you deserve it. Uh, your offense <laughs> is breakfast? finding Well, she can eat it for lunch too, okay. Jerem. Okay. Your offense is finding a new rhythm. That was a huge concern uh, during the middle part of your non-conference schedule when it kind of disappeared. Now mm-hmm. you've scored a couple of goals in a couple of games in a row. What has changed? We, um, you know, we, we switched up our formation a little bit. We've, we've got such great forwards. We wanted to get them a little higher uh, in the field, uh, a little closer to our opponent's goal. So uh, we've changed our formation, um, and we're just uh, we're playing a little bit more direct. And you know, they're best going at people when we can get the ball in front of them. So we're just trying to find them better opportunities. We've uh, pulled uh, Ashley Hatch back into the attacking center mid spot. See if we can get her some more touches because she's so dangerous. We got to get her going. Um, but you know, I just I think the girls. Uh, Baylor was a big win, a good confidence boost. It was a good feeling right now. And we came out and we attacked really well last night. So uh, scored two goals, probably could have put a couple more in. But, you know, I, I think we're on our way to, to getting better each game. When BYU made the transition to the West Coast Conference, it ha- probably had the biggest impact on the women's soccer program because of how good the WCC is. You have a huge match uh, with Santa Clara uh, tomorrow afternoon at uh, 1 p.m. local time there. Yeah, at Santa Clara, uh, what's a key or two to victory for your team? You know, we're we're excited to be in the West Coast Conference. It's a great uh, move up for us, and you know, Santa Clara is a national powerhouse. They have been for years. It's in the Final Four. They've won a couple national championships. They always have some of the top players. They have the top player in the country right now, Julie Johnson. And so, you know, we're just going to have to go in there with confidence, knowing that we can get the job done. Um, you know, we got to try and score early, get them on their heels, and just put tremendous amount of pressure on them. They're they're a great team. We want to try and keep the ball away from them and, and make them chase us as much as we can. It'll be a, a tough battle, but you know I think this year might be the year we can do it. Coach, good luck tomorrow. Congratulations again on 300 wins. Enjoy the Bay Area, and we will all be rooting for the Cougars as you take on Santa Clara. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Jen Rockwood, 300 wins. Awesome. I mean, that is at the same school. That's amazing. And she... Uh, couple of stats sent, uh, sent our way from Norma Colette in the Athletic Media Relations Office. She, uh, only six other head coaches have had 300 wins at BYU, period, wow. in, in any sport. Uh, fifth winningest coach at a single university. She's been at BYU since 1995. She's the only women's soccer coach BYU's ever had. Tremendous coach. Yeah, I'll say she's getting it done. Now it's time, a Friday tradition for our favorite sounds of the week. And that's always a bright sign when you can see an offense go from the 20-yard line, you know, all the way down to the blue zone. They seem to be getting confidence, and I think that Robert and I is falling into a better pattern and understanding of the plays to call to maximize the talent that he has. The thing I liked most was how suffocating the defense was. Those guys get a belly on the foe and make them perform under pressure. And that's what BYU's defense does. The next step for the Cougar passing game is actually on the receivers, in my opinion. Use your length. Go up for that ball. That's the next step in the passing game. We are hungry. We didn't perform the way we wanted to last year during conference. That's kind of lit a fire in, inside a lot of guys. Broncos had a lot of success against option teams, and, and none better than he did last year against Georgia Tech. I mean, he grounded their ground attack. You know, it's, it's Coach Minhall and his defensive mind. These type of game weeks, the BYU defense throws out their entire playbook, and they go in and Coach Minhall installs an entire new defense. Defense has been their calling card for the last two or three years. That you know that they're always going to be top twenty-five in, in most of the defensive categories. I don't know that you would ever, anyone would ever argue that the BYU has the best players. 
a product group like Alabama or LSU. The team is phenomenal. They have impact players at the right position. Hands off to BYU. They play an extremely tough, competitive game. You know, we're looking to show that we can, we can play this as well. Hardly anybody's been effective against him. He's a great player. You wouldn't have to be much of a scout to see that he's going to be playing on Sunday for a long time if he stays healthy. BYU has a rich tradition in football. You know, in the past few years uh, with Bronco, they've been... Uh, you know, known for great defense. And having had the opportunity to play in Provo, we know it's a tough place to play. There was a problem with that. Uh, that's his problem, not my problem. Brian Logan, Blaine Fowler, Trevor Maddich, Tyler Haas, David Nixon, Paul Johnson, Rob Morris, and David Sims contributing to our favorite sounds of the week. Great stuff. Want to get to a couple tweets before we wrap up this Friday edition of BYU Sports Nation. One of the bold predictions came from uh, at FRuiz801. He said, Coach 2J will yell, boom shakalaka, after BYU scores its fifth touchdown. Here's what that might sound like. I want to find guys that are going to embrace the hard edge um, and are, are going to stand toe-to-toe with anybody and throw punches. Uh, and that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for, and, and we'll find it. We will Boom, find shakalaka! It. <laughs> Another tweet, at R.Y. Sen Trout says, uh, Kyle Van Oy picks off a pitch for a TD. Ooh, not bad. Can we get the, the Super Tech Mobile music going while we read these last few tweets? Yes. At Doug BYU Coop, tradition, spirit, and honor will be spoken upwards of 50 times in the first half. Seriously. At ALRM Coog. Oh, no, we're going to skip over that one. At Tyler L. Payne. Jamal will rush for two touchdowns. Cody Hoffman will have seven catches and one touchdown. Kyle Vanoy, three sacks. Daniel Sorensen, one interception. All right. Big thanks to all of our guests today on BYU Sports Nation. And how about a rise and shout for that Super Tech Mobile music? Yeah! Nice job, Aaron Evans, our engineer. Uh, Jennifer Rockwood also joining us. Virgil Carter, BYU quarterback, great. Everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU radio station manager Don Shaline, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and again, our engineer Aaron Evans. Listen to archived episodes of the show every day on youtube.com slash BYU radio. For Spencer, I'm Jerem. Go Cougars. Watch football. Boom shakalaka!